Now listen, faith promise really is very simple, but it takes faith and it takes you to respond to what God's asking you to do. And so uh, Pastor Greg gave me the privilege last year of actually preaching this service uh, because of one story in my life. Um, he found out that for 40, or by the way, 40 years ago, I made my first faith promise at age 23. Who's here that's 23? Special word for you today. Here's a handful of people here. Made my first faith promise. I met a man by the name of Cliff Tierney who encouraged me to keep every faith promise every year and how God provided it. So I told some of those stories last year, and that was thrilling to do so. And, and so in pre preparation for this, uh, I had a unique experience. One month ago today... They invited me back to Mountain Park Church, the church I had the privilege of planting in 1987. They invited me back because when we built our first building, the only building we ever had, we put it on this place called Pecos Road, and we knew someday the highway might come through. Now, Greg always loves me telling the church planning story, especially when we made 23,000 phone calls. You know, 305 people showed up, but then I preached, so we had 150. Come on, enjoy it. But, but he always loves me telling the story because we made all these phone calls and invited people to a school, and 305 people showed up. And that first Sunday, 12 people came to Christ. It was an amazing thing. And, um, and it all happened at a school called Pueblo Middle School. And so you know God's at work if you can raise up a church at a school with the initials PMS. Come on, that's a, his favorite part. <laughs> So we PMS for four years there. Then we got into high school. And, you know, what's so special to me is when God allowed us to build our first building, we knew someday the highway might come through. It was 30 years later, though. It took us 10 and a half years to ever get in a building. And then last week, they sent me pictures. They tore this building down. Look at me, people. In 10 and a half minutes. 10 and a half minutes. I have the pictures on my phone. It was hard to look at, you know. But... Here's what God whispered in my heart. The only thing that lasts are people, not buildings. The only thing that lasts are the lives that Mountain Park changed. The only thing that lasts is what we did in Honduras. In fact, when God brought me to Union Chapel, I could not believe some of the similarities of a powerful youth ministry. You know, we had, we had 12 kids pray for a thing called Hot Church, which was just like 180. 12 kids prayed Easter of 1993, that they prayed that 50 kids would show up and 73 kids showed up. And then that turned into 100 kids and then 200 kids. And eventually grew to where they peaked out at 800 kids, just like, just like 180. And so when God brought me here, there were so many things I got excited about. By the way, Bob Ball just texted me. You know, we're talking about 2,000 meals next week for Thanksgiving here. Guess what he did yesterday in Texas? 2,000 mills with blood and fire down in Texas. Come on, give it up for that. That's the kind of impact. That's the kind of impact we're making around the world. It's happening every day. So last year, I ended the Faith Promise uh, message with a story about Mike and Karen Gray. And they were the first neighbors that lived across from us on Briarwood when we moved to Phoenix. And I knocked on every door in my neighborhood. And I met two people, and I checked in with Mike this week, and I said, Mike, tell me once again the most important story in your life. He goes, Robin, you know that story. It's a story I told last year when I ended the service. And that is, Mike was an atheist. And he told me he would never go to church. We made friends with Karen, his wife, and she said, maybe someday he'll lighten up a little bit. He's really bitter towards all the church thing. He can't believe a pastor lives across the street from him. That's me. And, and, and we made friends with Karen, though, because they had a swimming pool. Come on, people, enjoy me. 
And uh, we lived in Phoenix, man. It's 120 degrees, man. And so Karen became a dear friend. And so she, I told Mike I'd never ask him to come. But my father-in-law came to town in 1988, our first year of the church. And he did a faith promise service. And out of respect for my father-in-law, he showed up at that service. Now, my father-in-law talked about faith promise. The concept's very simple. Ask God to give you an amount, whisper an amount in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, and you'll be willing to give it, okay? And if you remember that story, I called Mike this week, and he said, Robin, this, this is what changed my I still tell my kids this story. Is he drove home that night and said, Robin's father-in-law's crazy. He said, this is a crock, you know, and he swore, and he went on and on. And Karen goes, show some respect to his father-in-law. Come on, he just talked about missions. He just talked about people and about doing good things for people. But he said, I'm not going to go home and get in separate rooms. Because Oral had said, if you go home, if you don't believe this thing, you and your wife ought to go into separate rooms, and you both think about a number or pray about it and write it down, and you'll be surprised you might come up with the same number. And that's when Mike said, this is a, I'm not going to do that. So Karen kind of put up with him all the way home and said, why are you so cold? She goes, why don't you humble yourself and just do it? He goes, I'm not going to do, something crazy could happen. I'm not going to do that. Well, you know what? He changed his mind. And so Karen talked him into it. And he said, I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to think. So he went in a room. She went in a room. And if you know the story, it's powerful. So he wrote down on a scrap piece of paper his number came out. They exchanged scraps. He had written down $1,750. Now, he wasn't going to write an even number like 1000 or 1500 That's too easy, he said. So he put down $1,750. And when he took her piece of paper, guess what she wrote down? You want to say it out loud? $1,750. Because, see, God didn't care about the money. He wanted Mike. Come on, people, follow me. When God does a miracle in your life, he wants you. Then he'll get all of you if he gets you. So Mike just went off, man. He, you'd think he'd be humbled by that? He says, see, I knew we should never do this. I don't want He didn't talk to her the rest of the night. Come on, people. He didn't talk to Karen the rest of the night. He went into work Monday morning. He worked at Intel. He's an engineer. He went into his desk, and in the middle of his desk was an envelope. And next to it was a note that said, we misfigured your raise this year, and in the envelope is the amount of money that we owe you. Does anyone want to take a wild guess how much money was in, how much the check was for? You want to say it out loud with me? $1,750. I'm going to preach to you guys. You're with me. Come on, shout it. $1,750. Is that awesome? Mike began to shake. He fell apart. Come on, this guy, he's an engineer. He doesn't cry. He doesn't get emotional. He fell apart. He went to the restroom, tried to clean his face up. He tried to pull himself together, and he couldn't do it. He was shaking. Came back to it, went back to the restroom. He tells us. So I talked to this week. He said, it, it, as you know, he said, it changed me forever. Finally, he wrote a note to his executive assistant. He went home because he was sick. Come on, people. God will make you sick. He'll, he'll, he'll tear you up. He drove right to my front door, and Mike gave his life to Christ that day. Now, that's the final story I told you guys last week. I mean, last year. And I'm going to tell you something. Some neat stories began to come in after that. I want you to know that what our goal last year was like 153,000. Do you know? Did you look at your bulletins today? Come on, you people. You're at 178,000. Come on, give it up for that. 178,000. So this new goal shouldn't freak you out because we serve an awesome God. But listen, um, my dear friend Derek, he's on the front. I played tennis with this guy three, 
three days a week. That's why I can't walk. I could barely get up here. This guy beats me up, beat me up Friday. But listen, Derek's become such a dear friend. And he knows I played tennis the next Monday after preaching uh, last year. And I walked off those tennis courts and I walked out into the foyer and a, a couple there said, hey, we go to Union Chapel. We heard yesterday, we got to tell you something. I said, okay. The guy said, I'm Lynn Jackson. And by the way, my wife is Janet Jackson. Come on, that's awesome. That made the whole day for me. So I met Janet Jackson from Union Chapel. And he said, I need to tell you my story. He said, listen, I had some major dental work done about a month ago. So he wrote this story for me today. He said, so before your sermon, I'd had major dental work and I submitted it to my insurance and they denied the claim. I submitted it a second time. Good for him. And they denied it again. Then he said, I sat in that service and listened to you preach on Faith Promise and tell Mike's story. And the number of $500 kept coming to me. It kept coming to me and I thought, this might be God. And then he said, I thought, but that's a lot of money for a retired teacher. But finally, when the number wouldn't quit, quit coming to me, I wrote it down on my pledge card. I walked off those tennis court. He said to me, today, a letter came in the mail from my insurance company. And they said, we reconsidered your claim and we're paying it. And he said it was for far more than $500. Come on, people. Is that awesome? He said, I quickly wrote a check to Union Chapel. Yeah, do that if God's faithful. Do it real quick. Is that awesome? And I don't know if Lynn's in this service or is in the second service or the third service. I want him to get up here so he might not have even showed today. So, you know, but this is a powerful story. This is what Faith Promise is about. And so I want to give you a text that you never forget. Because when I preached a month ago, I told some of these stories at Mountain Park. Because it changed us forever. It made us the largest giving mission church in our movement, by the way. Eventually, we went to Honduras instead of Kazakhstan. And God did so many similar things that he's done here that I want you to have a verse that you'll never forget and tie it to this week, all right? Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And I love the, I love the tradition here that we stand when we read the scripture. So if they can post that text. I don't know if we had it the last service. Is it not up for us? Oh, there it is. Okay, we got it. All right. Now, I want you to paint the picture for you. They've had the feeding of the 5,000, so the disciples have seen an incredible miracle. And Peter's been so moved that he declared that Jesus was the Christ. And so this is one of those great moments that Jesus takes his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them on top of a mountain after a great spiritual experience. And it tells us that Jesus took him up on the mountain, and while he was praying, his appearance the appearance of his face and his clothes changed and became as bright as a flash of lightning. What an amazing moment here. And all of a sudden, I don't know where Moses and Elijah were there. And he appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about their depart his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. Some, some texts in the Greek say tents. Let's put up three tents, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. He did not know what he was saying. But while he was speaking, a cloud, it even got more intense, a cloud enveloped them. 
And then a voice came from heaven. So here's your text. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Would you say those three words with me? Listen to him. Say him again. Come on. Listen to him. If you want to know how to do faith promise, say it with me. Listen to him. You may be seated. Let me tell you something. You can trust one thing in this life. If you ask God to speak to you and you listen, God will speak with an impression upon you or that still small voice that you just think, I, like, like when Lynn said, I had 500 in my mind. It kept coming. It kept coming. It kept coming. If you want to be a part of a great miracle next week, I'm going to ask you at this end of the service to make a commitment to listen to him. Because if we don't listen to him, we get confused and we hear other voices. We hear other voices. In fact, later today, I want you to follow this text, is the disciples get confused the next day and they can't even do the things Jesus said they could do. They had a little boy that had a spirit that needed to be calmed and cast out. And the father said, we called your disciples, but they couldn't help us. And listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. How long will I put up with you? Did you know Jesus talked that way to his disciples? You know, I told you you could do this. It just comes out by prayer. How long will I put up with you and stay with you? What he was saying is, you guys wear me out. Come on, I told you you could do this. You could do whatever I ask you to do. But when we listen to other voices, we get confused. And then later you see they, they met someone who was casting out evil spirits in Jesus' name. And they rebuked him. They wanted to rebuke him because he was not one of them. See, we get confused. We think that we're the only church. Now, let me tell you something. We're not. So don't pitch your tent in wrong places. You can do whatever Jesus asks you to do. In fact, the last message I preached here was do what you do for the glory of God. In fact, someone over here whispered that one of these young people said, I hope he doesn't preach that same message again. Do what you do. Come on, it's funny. No, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I want you to do this year. I want you to listen to him and do what he says you can do because that's how we're going to do what God's asked us to do as a church. Now, I never have a chance to do this, but I did this in every service. I don't want to embarrass the pastor again, but listen, I never get to tell Pastor Greg what I admire so much about him and what I love so much about him. There's so many things, by the way, but I want to take the time right in front of all of you to tell him what I love the most about him. First of all, He's the best preacher I've ever been around. Come on, give it up for that. Best. The best. So we get fed every week. So I'm a nervous wreck every time I have to preach. By the way, I asked my wife to pray for me. She wrote me back a note on my phone. You ready? This is why your wife sometimes doubles as the Holy Spirit. She says, honey, praying for you. Good luck. Remember, less is more. Which means stop on time. Okay, you got that. It's awesome. Let me tell you something. Pastor, you feed us every week on levels that I've, my life's been transformed. That was another thing I love about you. He's the most visionary person I've ever been around. So we're not planning church because we think it's a cute idea. God told us to do this, and he told us through him we could do this. Which leads me to what I love the most about you. You know what our pastor does? Greg and Beth listen to him. Come on, give it up for that. Give it up for that. They listen to him. They listen to him. 
in a real humble moment, Greg told me, by the way, I got to take a trip. I don't get to hang out with your pastor very much. In fact, I'd hung out with him less than an hour over the last year or so, but then he invited me on a road trip to Asbury that I think he wished he could take back. He had to spend five hours with me that close together in a car. It was a long day, see? He's still weary. He's still tired. He's awesome. But I told him to tell me every great story in this church, and he did. Sometimes I talk too much, but he told me the story of what God had done here at Union Chapel. All the way from leading you to Kazakhstan, to doing blood and fire, to, to, to when God spoke to him about building a youth building. Nobody was building a youth building. The first time they built the chapel was actually the first 180 building, and they filled it the first night. He told me it's the most depressed he'd ever been. Come on, just got done building a new building. It was full. That's awesome. But he kept listening. And then we built this building, the 180 building. You know what, people? You should love your pastor for a lot of things, and I should too. But I love him because he listens to the voice of God. And in a humble moment that day on that trip, you know what he said? I say this very, he said, I say this very humbly, but God knows I'll do what he asked me to do. I said, Pastor, that's why I want to hang out with you. I know you'll do what God asked you to do. So everything that happens these next couple weeks is happening because pastor's listening to the Holy Spirit and asking us humbly to listen with him. And just like Mike Gray, when he said 750, when he had that experience, he listened to God and it changed his whole family. All of his kids are following the Lord today. And so, and Pastor, I want to tell you one other thing. There's one other thing I love about our pastor. You may not know this, but every month he gathers the whole staff. It's my favorite day. And he teaches us at 10 o'clock, it's usually on a Tuesday, and we have a meal together and we take communion together. And he teaches us something very important in his life. He teaches us a message. He might tell how God's speaking to him. When he was preaching through the Apostles' Creed, this is the experience I'll never forget. He said, this week I'm talking, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. That started pretty softly. And then he said, as I was studying, I came across this verse about Jesus. He was a friend of sinners. Pastor, look at me, I'll never forget. He got all choked up. And he said, I want you to think about that. Are we known as a friend of sinners? And then he had tears in his eyes. And I thought, this is why I love this couple. They will cry over people who don't know Jesus. They will cry over people in Kazakhstan that no one else cares about. They will cry over those far from God. Were you watching the Country Music Awards this week? Come on. Don't act so spiritual out there. Listen, when Carrie started singing softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. And I thought, she's going to change the word, but she didn't. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. And then she sang it boldly. Come home. Come home, ye who are weary. Come home. Earnestly. Tenderly. Jesus is calling. And I had tears coming out. Calling, oh sinner. She didn't change the word. Because we were sinners. We were lost without him. 
come home. And as he had tears coming down his face, I thought, I'll follow any pastor who will cry over people far from God. Because, see, I get confused. I'm like the disciples. The next day, they came upon Samaritans who didn't welcome them. They were lost. They were far from God. They were sinners. And they said, should we call down fire from heaven on these sinners? Now, I want you to have one little action part of this sermon that you never forget, all right? When you listen to other voices, you get confused and you just don't get it. So I want you to take your hand. I want you to go, duh, I don't get it. Come on, come on, enjoy it. Get yourself, come on, duh, I don't get it. I want to get what Jesus gets. I want to get what our pastor, I want to listen to him. Come on, one more time. It was fun. Come on, duh, I don't get it. So Jesus says, how long will I put up with you? You can't even pray for this little boy. How long will I put up with you? He's not one of us. You know what I love about our pastor? We met a Wesleyan pastor who's going to plant a church in Muncie. And he didn't say he's not one of us. He said, you can help this man. We met with him a week ago. And by the way, they're called. And they're called into a place where it's very difficult to plant a church right here in this city. But they have one friend. This is why I love our pastor. They have a friend who loves the lost. And we know one thing about new churches. Every new church will lead people to Christ. That's why we've seen over 80 come to Christ in Marietta and 28 now down in Florida. Come on, give it up for that. It's awesome. All right. Now, I get confused. Come on, do it one more time just because I, I, I get confused. Because sometimes we hear other voices. So here's the first story I want to tell you. When I went back to preach at Mountain Park, Greg and Paula were there. It was one of the first couples I visited in their home. They were related to my golf pro, whose name is Brad Butler. Now, Brad had come to Christ when he was in college, but you know what? He got saved, but he never got softened. So he was real critical of people who had habits in their life or they were doing some things that maybe weren't quite the best choices. And Paula was his cousin. So he heard I was going to go visit them, and they were going to ask me to marry them. So Brad put one of those real warm phone calls into the pastor his friend Robin, and he said, Pastor, I need to remind you of something you probably don't know. Greg and Paula are living together. You better straighten them out. Don't you love calls like that, Pastor? Like the pastor could straighten them. Haven't they read the Bible? The Holy Spirit can straighten someone out, but the pastor can't do anything. And first of all, that voice started ringing in mind. What am I going to do? Am I going to listen to Brad? Or am I going to go love these people the way I love people that need Jesus? Come on, do this. Don't get confused. So... I pulled over in my car and I said, God, you've got to give me your word here. What are you going to tell me? What am I going to do tonight? And really, as clear as day, it should have been an audible voice. God said to my spirit, not your issue to straighten them out. Come on. I started yelling in my car, not my issue. Say it with me. Come on. Not my issue. Not my issue to fix people. Say it one more time. Not my issue. My issue is to cry over lost people. To cry over Paula and Greg. And Greg came up to me at that service a month ago and said, do you remember the first time you were in our home? I said, I remember like it was yesterday. See, they never knew this story. They didn't know that Brad had called and said, you better straighten them out. So I didn't listen to that voice. I listened to him. And I shared my testimony, and then I shared the gospel. Simple illustration, we used to draw a bridge between Jesus and us, you know that illustration. And I looked up and I said, Paula, would you like to ask Jesus into your life? And look at me, people. She said, yes. 
And I still had Brad's voice kind of haunting me, like he's going to call me. See what I, and she said yes. And I led her in a prayer. And then I turned to Greg. Greg said, you remember after you prayed with Paula? He told me this just a month ago. He said, you looked at me and said, Greg, would you like to do the same thing? And remember he said, I said yes. And then I prayed with Greg. And in the next moment, you would not believe what happened. Paula looked at Greg and took him by the hand and said, honey, we can't keep living together. Look at me, people. Somebody shout out there. You don't have to change anybody. The Holy Spirit's amazing. I got in my car and I went, woo! Come on, people. Shout with me. Not my issue. Come on. No, my only issue is to share Jesus. In fact, I was asked once, I prayed with a guy named Skip in Casper, Wyoming. His wife said, well, it didn't work. He's still smoking. Can't you fix him? She goes, can he go to heaven if he smokes? I said, yeah, he can get there sooner. <laughs> now, come on. Don't judge me for that. I don't have much humor in this sermon anyway. And later, you know, all Skip asked me, Skip said, will God keep loving me if I don't change? I said, absolutely. Listen, he quit within a couple of months. Listen, we just, we listen to the wrong voices. If we tell people the love of God, none of us change out of any rules or regulation. You know that. We change out of love. We don't change out of any, any rule or someone telling us we can't do something. And that's why. Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. So I love our pastor because he listens to him and he loves people that haven't found Jesus yet. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Ten churches. Think of it. 55,000 people after 75 churches. Just think what could happen if we keep going down this path. Thousands of people will find Jesus. It's amazing. Now, I want to tell you just two more stories, okay? Listen to him. Pitch your tent with broken people, with children and young people. I want you to know that 90% of everyone who comes to Jesus will come before age 14. So if you don't know why we do 180 at the top level, if you don't know why our children's ministry is the most important thing we do around here, because if we don't reach these kids by 14, our percentages are, are unbelievably bad. After age 30, only one in 300,000 come to Christ. So, we listen to him and we do what he asks us to do. And so this faith promise isn't it really about money. It is about ministry. And so I want to ask you this week, if you will pray about listening to him, if you will say every day, I'm going to ask God, will you tell me what to do? I asked my wife to begin praying yesterday and she gave me a number before this uh, second service today. And it just blessed me that her heart was so open to, to listen to God. And God has said to me, don't try to match her number. If she has great faith, guess what God said to me? Double her number. Come on, people. Is that awesome? I told her. It almost freaked her out. I said, well, you picked the big number. It's just times two. Come on. That's awesome. But we know God's going to provide it. Listen, my favorite story to tell is in 1988. I wanted to tell you a couple new stories today. We lived next to Alan and Christy. And by the way, when we moved there to plant a church, you know, we didn't get paid very much money, and we, we'd taken a big cut to go, and we had one car. We drove that car for 13 years, and it was ugly when we bought it. Come on. 
And after 13 years, man, the kids wouldn't even let me drop them off at school. It makes me laugh. They'd say, five blocks away, Dad. Come on, you embarrass us. Come on, we're in this AMC wagon. It was, really, it was ugly when it was new. Come on. <laughs> and so I said, well, I'll get a second car. And, and Alan and Christy had, it was an older car, but, it, you know, a GTO was really kind of hot, you know. He had a yellow GTO. And I said, Alan, you have that part in front of your house. I never see you drive it. I said, could I buy that car from you? He said, oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to tell you about that car. It doesn't have reverse and only three gears work. <laughs> and I said, would you take $500 for that? He goes, well, I'm not going to take your If you need that car, he goes, I'm going to give it to you. We were in Faith Point. I said, if you give me that car... I said, we do this thing called faith. I'll give the $500 I was going to give you to Faith Promise. Because it's one of the great stories in our family. By the way, it made me the smartest pastor in Phoenix. If you ever driven a car with only three gears and no reverse, you've got to be real smart. You can't just park anywhere. You can't go to the hospital and park in the parking garage. You can't back up. Come on. You can't park anywhere but at the end of the street where there's an open place so you can pull straight out. And if you park on a hill, it's got to be a good one because you've got to roll backwards. Come on, people. I became the smartest pastor and driver. And by the way, I lost a gear a year. I drove it for three and a half years. I lost first gear, then second, and then third. Unbelievable. And I drove that thing, and my kids know that God kept that car running, and we did our faith promise. We still tell that story. All my kids do faith promise because the Bible says when you get old and your kids ask you, why do we live this way, tell them the stories. So that trip down to Asbury, I learned all the stories of this wonderful family. And God has been faithful, which is why we can listen to him. Now, I met one other neighbor. You know, I wasn't off to a good start, but I met a guy by the name of John Yonkins. John let me know right away again he wasn't ever going to go to church. And I said, hey, well, that's okay. And, and uh, I remember giving him an album uh, that he could listen to. And I ended up giving him three copies of this album. His kids loved it. And we were friends, but every time he was in the yard, I'd stop at his house. But he never, ever came to Mountain Park. Never came. And one Sunday, after we sang the opening three songs like today, remember how we greeted each other? I looked out on the back row, and I saw John Yonkins. It was greeting time, so I made my way down this little aisle like there. And I'll never forget, I didn't have time to think what I was going to say, and all of a sudden I looked at him so just abruptly and said, what are you doing here? Come on, that's what I said. That's what I said. And all, man, he had tears start pouring out. He said, Annette left me yesterday. And she said, she's never coming back. And you're the only person I know who knows God. I said, John, and my heart was breaking for him. I said, John, would you, would, you, would you book an appointment with me this week? He said he would. Now, he canceled four appointments. I want you to hear this. But finally, he kept an appointment. And he came into my office. And I said, John, I can't fix your situation. I can't make Annette come back. But I can share with you the most wonderful thing that ever happened in my life. And I shared how I became a Christian with Jesus. And on that couch in my office, he prayed to receive Christ. Now, I don't do this anymore, and I hadn't done it for many years. But every time someone would pray with me, to receive, I would mark that date down and give them their spiritual birthday, you know. So I'll never forget looking at John. And I said, John, what day is today? I want you to always remember this day. And it was October 18th. 2001. You remember when I told you we started the church? We started the church October 18th, 1987. 14 years later, John gave his life to Christ. And it turned into an incredible story 
that after I went through my brokenness and divorce, guess who the first person was that called me? John Yonkins. And guess what he said? I can't fix it, but I can be there for you. And I can pray Jesus into your life. That guy called me every week for the next three years. I got a call out of the blue from Phoenix from a young girl. She just told me her first name. And she said, are you going to be back in Phoenix soon? She didn't tell me her whole name. And I said, well, I'm going to be back in Phoenix. We were planting churches, Greg, and five of them were in Phoenix area with a new organization. And so after God kind of restored my life, we were planting churches. And I told this young gal I would do her wedding. Her name was Jessica. And so I said, Jessica, I'll do, I'll do your wedding. And so we set up the time. I went to the rehearsal. We went through all the wedding rehearsal and whatever. And I said, now, who will be giving you away tomorrow? She goes, well, my dad will be giving me away. And I, and I said, who is that? And she said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, you're Jessica, right? Come on, that was good, right? She goes, you don't know who I am. You don't know my last name. I said, no, I don't. You've never told me. She goes, my dad is John Yonkins. And I want you to know that we hated our dad. He was mean. But he gave his life to Jesus. And he was totally transformed. And now all of us, yeah, you can clap for that sauce. Now all of us kids know Christ. You know what? Pitch your tent with broken people. Love pastors who love the lost. And you'll never know where the end will take you. But it will take you to church plants. It will take you to blood and fire. It will take you to the poor. It will take you to Kazakhstan. It will take you everywhere to change your life. Final story. You get one no one else got today. Ready? I started going to Honduras just like Greg felt led to go to Kazakhstan. And this church was transformed. Started going to Honduras and uh, learned that the major problem there in all of our villages where we had um, people and, and that we loved so much, they didn't have clean water. And so we went year after year. We started building these things called pilas. And we started getting clean water to certain villages and one year I took Don Doe. You think my name's crazy, Robin Wood, Robin Hood. One of my best friends in ministry is a guy named Don Doe. And Don Doe had planted a church in Phoenix alongside of mine. And Don went with me to Honduras. And I prayed that his life would be changed down there. We went to El Progreso, which is a village that we'd poured kind of our life into. But they still didn't have clean water on a daily basis. And Don and I met Pastor Jaime and his wife, Mindy, and we decided that we were going to try to have them, help them get water on a more permanent basis. And Jaime said that there was clean water, just pure crystal water up in a stream up on the mountain. So us two overweight pastors hiked up this mountain. I'll never forget. We were just huffing and puffing with Jaime. And when we got to the top of the mountain, we saw this spring of clean water, and Jaime just threw it on his face. And he was just like almost celebrating that there was clean water. And he said, for $5,000, we can pipe with PVC pipe this down to the village. And we can have clean water every day. And Don and I were so moved. And by the way, what I love about church plants, we didn't have a board. Come on, you got to love that. We were with two other people from a church in Ohio. 
and they were asked if they could help with this $5,000, and they said they had to have a board meeting. Don and I started laughing. We don't even have a board. So we voted for the $5,000, me and him. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> Don goes, I'll go back and ask my church for half of it if you'll go back and ask yours. And we just celebrated. We were laughing. And Jaime, we said, Jaime, we will go back and ask our church, just like this morning, for faith promise. And so Don flew back on that plane with me, and God gave him that verse, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, that's all I want you to do. And we put a sermon together on that plane, and by the time we landed in Phoenix, Don turned to me and said, you know, I'm getting a little nervous. If I ask our people for the money and they don't give it, could you, could you kind of double the amount you're asking for? Because you guys have been pretty cool. I said, okay, Don, we'll do that. But I said, you know what? Ask him for five. Don't even ask for 25. Ask for $5,000. So he went back and preached. And he asked for that $5,000. He called me at 1.32 that afternoon. Look at me, people. It's an experience I'll never... I felt like I was in the transfiguration. He called and said... He, first of all, he couldn't even talk. He was crying so hard. He said, Robin, our people gave twenty. $6,000. Are you kidding? I said, unbelievable. He said, how much did your people give? And by the way, I'd ask, our people gave $27,000. And I said, Don, listen, I'm not trying to one-up you. This is unbelievable. And then he said, Robin, I walked to my car, and I was crying, and I realized that our building fund was the next week. And I said, God, have I ruined this? Like, how do I turn around and ask people now for a building? He'd been in a school for 10 years also. And he said, I got in my car and put my hands on the steering wheel. And he said, I said, God, what am I going to do next week? Their goal was a million two. And he said, I started weeping and shaking at this will. And a voice came that said, you bought your property today because you did what's at the center of my heart. He said, Robin, I couldn't wait to call you. Next Sunday came. You guys ready for this? They gave $1.4 million in pledges in cash the next week. They put a down payment on that property through missions. If you think what we're doing next week doesn't have significance for all of what he's asked us to do, you're wrong. Whatever God says to you to do, if you'll do it, we will have an experience that we won't believe next week. So here's what I want to ask you. Will you commit in this service, will you commit to do whatever God asks you to do? Whatever figure he puts on your heart, I don't care how young you are, whatever he says for you to do, would you commit to do what he puts on your heart? Let me tell you one more story and we're done. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Don't you go along the fourth service? I'm sorry. So here you are. Final thing. Jay Harvey, one of our planters. Ready? Jay Harvey. He meets with me and we're planting this church in Anderson. They're up to 150 people already. But he's got to raise his own support. And I ask him, according to this verse, will you listen to God and let him tell you the people to call. He said, Robin, I have a hard time calling people for money. 
He made a phone call Friday to a guy that he was afraid to call. And when he said, this is Jay Harvey, listen to what the guy said on the other end of the phone. Jay Harvey, God already let me know you're going to be calling me. And this is a hard phone call for you. Jay, I know what you're doing. You're planting a church. You need to ask me for money, right? This is what he said to him. And then he said, how much do you need? Come on, people. You don't want to leave without this story. And Jay said, 30000 That's how much Union Chapel will back me with and match. And that guy said, you find out the routing number for this Monday. You've got 30000 Come on, people. Give up. That's awesome. All right. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, we want to listen to you. We want to trust you for whatever you tell us. And I pray, Lord, that you'll move upon this group and help them to set the pace. And I ask this in the powerful name of you, Lord. Lord Jesus, you're, our, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. We want to listen to you in Jesus' name. Now I want to ask you, if you'll respond visibly today, if you will listen to him this week and come back next Sunday and do what he asks you to do, would you stand right where you are? If you will listen to him. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You people are amazing. I want you just to listen to him and do what he tells you to do. Lord Jesus, thank you for this response. Lord, we just, we, we humble ourselves before you. We will do what you ask us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.